0: more John Chuckery.
1: We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at it, John Chuckery show. Final hour of the program is the start of the Brown Liquor Music Hour. Chuck, is always getting the first request. little Jermaine Jackson to get us going here. 404 741 0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. The Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 is where you find my Twitter page. At underscore Dylan Matthews, where you find his. 20 minutes uh, from right now, we will talk to Grant McCulley as um, he is still down in Northport, Florida. And. Uh, I think he returns this week or weekend or what have you like that. He's on Sunday, I believe. I think he's on Sunday for uh, the uh, uh, from the Diamond Show. I think I think that debuts on Sunday of this week, and I think he's back here for all of it. So uh, we'll talk to Grant McCulley coming up here, our Braves reporter for 92.9, The game, and uh, we'll get his thoughts about where we're at with all of this. So. Um, and we'll have a little bit of fun before the uh, the top of the hour as well. You Charis are West. correct. From
0: the diamond does come back this yeah, Sunday.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So I'm not as brain dead uh, as some people thought. So anyway, uh, let's fell squib kick.
0: Taking a look at the NFL with the squib kick with John Shuckery, Sports Radio 92.9, The
1: Game. This is a weird story. Vance Joseph is headed back to Denver. Not to be their head coach, but the D.C. for Sean Payton. Now, remember that (laughs) he was the head coach in 2017 and 2018, and he was fired after that season. He spent the last four years as Arizona's defensive coordinator, but this would be like bringing Dan Quinn here to be our D.C., like that's weird that he's going I mean look there are only so many NFL jobs and if you want to stay in the league you know what's the old saying beggars can't be choosers or whatever but um yeah it's just it's it's a strange dynamic so he certainly knows the organization and everything with it now when he sees John Elway does he say hey good to see you again you're not going to fire me now are you or and you know so I, I'd be the a-hole if I, I – I'd be the ultimate heel if I saw John Elway like, ha, ah, now you can't fire me right now. So anyway. But, um, yeah, he's been the Arizona Cardinals defense coordinator for the last uh, four years. Um, <laughs> and he – you know, Sean Payton had, hired, uh, had interviewed uh, Rex Ryan, um, Sean Desai, uh, the current uh, defensive backs coach for the Broncos, Christian Parker. Mike Zimmer was also interviewed uh, for maybe an unspecified role, but they decided to, uh, to go with, uh, to go with uh, Vance Joseph, who was their former coach. That's a little bit strange to have done all that. And one other thing, too, that um, was interesting that I saw, Davis Webb is also been hired by the Broncos. So he is being hired as the Broncos quarterback coach. Now, why this is kind of funny is – Russell Wilson is the 34-year-old quarterback of the Broncos, right? Davis Webb is the 28-year-old coach for him now. So the 34-year-old Russell Wilson is going to have a 28-year-old coach coaching
0: him. That'd be like me giving you... Yes, Radio hosting that, right. lessons.
1: That that would be like you teaching me something, right? Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly right. So uh, so strange things that are going on in Denver, but you know that's a that's a them problem with uh, all of that. All right. So remember how the Saints don't have any money? Uh, they're they're the 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 uh, the. They're in cap purgatory and they don't have any money. They, they ain't got any money to spend, right? The John people. Freaky? Yeah. That the, 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 stinky town, right? The John people. Freaky? Okay. So they restructured contracts for Marcus May, Eric McCoy, Ryan Ramzik, and Will Lutz. And they've been able to free up about $12 million in cap space. Oh, you know teams are going to be bro uh ah, you can't find cap you can always find cap space it happens all the time they they restructure and they move money to bonuses and signing bonus I mean teams can always do this that that's why this is that's why the idea of ah they're they're in cap purgatory and they, you know, are John freaky. Are, yeah, they, 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 they ain't got any money to spend. They're way over the cap. and Everybody's over the cap. Everybody can find money to spend. That's why I've told you that having a lot of money available on the salary cap is not a good thing. It most likely means you haven't signed your guys or have had guys that are worthy of a second contract. And that's why your roster is in the shape that it's in. Because we don't have a whole bunch of guys that we could sign. That's what the Browns went through. Oh, the Browns got $100 million to spend. Yeah, because they're the worst organization in football. They were that way for years. Did you want to be the Browns when they were 0-16 but had $100 million to spend? No. That's what I can't get across to people. Uh, new Orleans ain't got no money. That uh, Stinky Town and all that. The John people. Freaky? <laughs> the John people. Freaky? So there's on Netflix there's going to be a I guess a new series. I don't know if you've seen this, Dylon, but I have. Netflix announced on Wednesday its first partnership with the NFL. The end result is quarterback, a docu series that explores each season through the lens of an NFL quarterback. Okay. Have you seen the list of guys that are on this? I have. Patrick Mahomes. Hey, that works out really well, right? Right. MVP of the league. Yep. Kirk Cousins, they went 14-3 this year. Okay. Uh-huh. They lost the playoffs, but they had a pretty good season. Right. And then <laughs> Marcus Mariota. John the Freaky. And by the way, when I saw the advertisement on it, they said three quarterback stars. Um, maybe two stars, but not a third one. So is going to be one of the three quarterbacks featured in this docu-series. John what exactly are they going to highlight about... The John people. Freaky? Like, what exactly are the... Hi- what are all of those highlight plays that has on his resume? The John people. Freaky?
0: The definitely the one where he, like, was on the Through ground the interception
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah the the, 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 the grenade toss hook. yeah the yeah. grenade toss yeah in carolina or the interception against the rams or- and then
0: definitely oh, definitely the one that got tipped by Deron Payne that yes. one that one's got to be on yes. there too
1: yeah the the play at the goal line right yep Oh, god let me tell you i i don't know how long this show is I'm trying to see, is it like an hour or two? Because it, it's multiple episodes, is it not? Um, uh, the three quarterbacks had microphones on them for every game of their seasons. So let let's say that this let's just say that that each episode is an hour or whatever, okay? There should be in in a sixty minute time frame, okay? There should be fifty dedicated to Pat Mahomes. And then there should be seven minutes and forty-five seconds dedicated to Kirk Cousins. And there should be 15 seconds devoted to John the people. Freaky. Who thought this was a good idea? Who 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 thought this who thought, you know what? Hey, this is a cool idea. Let's get exclusive, unprecedented access to Pat Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and John the Freaky?
0: They had so many other choices. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. Not wow, like anybody. anybody listen, else. listen,
1: the XFL <laughs> has more options than having Murder be quarterbacks. Oh, my God. Literally, they should have just gone to a college. Like, they should have just gone to Akron U or something and just filmed one of their quarterbacks. Hell, they could have gone over here to Tech. Good Lord. Well, let me not there's not too much footage of the highlight reel from... Not the a plethora, yeah, there's not a plethora of stupendous highlights from his long-standing team. Are they going to fill them when he quit on the team? Is that going to be part of it? The end of it is, yeah, he quit. Jeez, almighty. Yikes. He said earlier in the show, Aaron Rodgers is now either bunker or whatever is it. That he was in, and now he's going to assess what he wants to do. And the first thing he did was go on Pat McAfee's show. So, like he always does. But um, um, fifteen. He's got fifty nine five, guaranteed this year, fifty nine and a half million dollars guaranteed, and he's going to walk away. He's got to clear his mind. He's got to figure it out in a cave uh you know in a hookah lounge and everything else he's got to figure all
0: he probably went to that cave to figure out how he was yeah, going to spend you, the 595 you,
1: you know what you, you know what you should do instead of going to a cave or a hookah lounge or a tiki bar you should call your accountant that's what you should do is let me get a hold of um you know Irwin Scheister and let me see if this makes sense hey i've got 59 and a half guaranteed million dollars on the table. Should I go? Hell yeah. Okay. I'm back with the Packers. That's who you should you should get Erwin R. Scheister Good lord. Or what what is it? The law firm of Dewey Cheat 'em and Howe. That's who you should call. Call the law office of Dewey Cheat 'em and Howe and ask what they'd say. Hey, I got fifty nine and a half million guaranteed to me. Should I stay or should I go? Lord. Grant McCauley, when we come back, we'll talk some Braves baseball with him. Chuckery in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 910 app.
0: Back to more John Chuckery. No, no. No, I'm having a good time. Having a good time.
1: Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
0: Don't talk. Just listen. First of
1: all, Sports Radio 92.9, The 90 Game, 90. back with the John Chuckery Show, no, hanging out in the no, Keyes studios. Brown liquor music hour rolling right along. We head to the top of the hour. JR Sports Brief coming up after us. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthew. Well, we get into Grapefruit League action coming up on Saturday as the Braves get back at it and, um, you know, certainly a lot of anticipation and uh, ready for this baseball season to start. Let's head out to the WaitFor.com hotline. He is our Braves reporter for 92.9 The Game, our Braves insider, Grant McCulley, joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline, at Grant McCulley on his Twitter page, and Listen, Grant, I hope I'm not keeping you up uh, this late. Uh, Hopefully you're still up and about and awake and everything else.
2: No, I'm still up and awake, and that is obviously not necessarily the the schedule for all the day games that are coming up, but, you know, we like to uh, keep some late hours when we can.
1: So I I meant to ask you this last time I talked with you. Do we assume that Michael Harris is going to hit second in this lineup?
2: I don't know if we assume that just yet, but I feel like if you look at the long term for him in the Braves lineup that obviously he's going to be a part of for the rest of the decade, that seems like a pretty good spot for him. I mean, a a given, at least for me, is that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to remain the leadoff hitter for this club unless or until that changes then I think the second spot in the order would be a pretty good one for Michael Harris. And you could go righty-lefty there, and then maybe Austin Riley hits third, Matt Olsen hits fourth if you want to kind of alternate the bats there. But the Braves have possibilities. I think that's always a good thing. But uh, Michael showed enough last year, and with his speed and his overall profile, I think it would be a pretty good spot for him.
1: The reason I ask is because, and and I'm not, not critiquing it as much, but if there's any flaw in his offensive game, if you're going to hit up there, I'd like to see the on base percentage go up a little bit. And it was 339, I think it was, last year. That's not a bad on base percentage. But, you know, you'd like to get into that 350, 360. And that's one of the things that I thought Ronald Acuna over the last few years really did a good job of was, you know, yes, all the power and everything, but embracing what a leadoff hitter is getting on base, and obviously stealing bases, but getting on base, is that the only thing that really Michael Harris could work on is getting on base at a higher rate, maybe drawing some more walks, being a little bit more patient?
2: I think that the walks would certainly be helpful, but if you look inside of his stats and think about where maybe some more on-base percentage points could come from, it would be hitting lefties a little bit more so than he did a year ago. I mean, and this is, again, it's just critiquing somebody that at age 21 put together a great all-around season and one that was kind of unexpected. I don't think anybody was looking for him to be the starting center fielder, let alone be the NL's rookie of the year by the end of the season, but that's exactly what he did. So I feel like there's always little things, little adjustments, and those next steps of that evolution that a player can take. But the power's there. The speed is there. I think the walks are something that can continue to come, uh, you know, as he evolves as a hitter. Because it's not surprising to see some swing and miss in the year 2022-2023 in baseball. That's just kind of where we are in the modern game. But I think if he is able to really get himself more comfortable at the big league level, he's going to find a way to be a little bit more selective. And that seems to be a big part of his game, is finding pitches to hit and not missing them. And he did a lot of that last year.
1: Grant McCully joins us on the WaitFor.com hotline. He is our Braves insider for 92.9 The Game. You know, I... I was very intrigued by what you said last time that we talked about the idea of if they're not going with the six-man rotation, then – and I don't want to say I, – I don't know how else to phrase it, but the loser of the fifth starter competition, whether that's a Soroka, and I don't think that Elders as much of a factor, but maybe he is, or, or Anderson – will start the year in Gwinnett. And I thought that was very fascinating. I'm not disputing it. I'm just – I thought it was very interesting when you think about the success that Soroka or Anderson has had. But you think maybe is it leaning a little bit more toward Mike Soroka that he may start in Gwinnett, given that he's coming off the injury? I know he tweaked his hamstring when he was getting ready to come down to Florida and all this. Is it kind of setting itself up naturally – for Soroka to maybe be the guy that starts off his year in Gwinnett?
2: It's hard to say that, really, because if you take a look at Ian Anderson and and Michael Soroka side by side, I feel like there's a lot of similarity in these two in the success that they had at a very young age. But Soroka was a guy who was runner-up for the Rookie of the Year. He was an all-star. He's the Braves opening day starter in 2020. So it's hard for me to look at a guy that had all of those things going for him. And if he is healthy and if he does get his starts – in the exhibition season, and they do feel like he has shown enough with his minor league rehab work of a year ago to be ready to rejoin this rotation as the club's fifth starter, I still feel like he has a pretty compelling case. I mean, for Anderson, uh, he's in a different spot because he came up, he had success, things for him, especially in the postseason, were a big reason why the Braves did the winning that they did in 2020, and then, of course, winning it all in 2021. He was a huge factor for that but last year, his consistency, strike zone-wise, you know, he, his command was not quite there. And that third pitch, that's something that he's been trying to really add to his arsenal, something that he can truly lean on and depend on more so than just being a fastball changeup guy. But refining the command, and I think, in the mechanics was something that he wanted to really lock down over the course of the winter so that he could be where he needs to be in order to compete with the likes of a Soroka or Bryce Elder or anybody else that the Braves might give a look to in spring training. But, you know, I think for Anderson, you know, seeing is believing when it comes to getting all of those things going. I talked to Ian a couple of days ago. He is feeling like this slider is something that he had been, you know, I guess thinking about over the last couple of years. I think he said the word was kind of kicking around the idea and then he went home over the winter and decided, I, I've got to find something that really works for me, that third pitch. So that's a big wild card for me. If he's got three pitches that are viable and he's able to really command, that is what Ian Anderson needs to rejoin this rotation. But can he prove that in spring training? Can he get those results and you know pass the eye test, if you will? Because it's not so much about the stats – though they are helpful when they look good, but it's going to be about how he looks, how those pitches look, and, again, how he commands that overall arsenal, and if he shows that he does have a different wrinkle that can help make him successful, because it seemed like a lot of big league teams really figured him out second and third time through.
1: Grant McCulley joining us, the com hotline. He is our Braves insider for ninety two nine The Game. Is bench depth one of those things that... Is it as good as last year? Um, you know, how would you rate the bench depth for this team?
2: I think it's at least as good as it was a year ago. And honestly, they've got a lot of options in the outfield to kind of mix and match and maybe have a little bit more, a little bit different anyway. I mean, I don't know if you'd necessarily consider Adam Duvall, you know, a loss of bench depth because of how many at-bats he was getting for the Braves. He was finding his way into the lineup until he got hurt. But you have Eddie Rosario coming back. If you figure he's going to be a big factor in left field, then do you use a Sam Hilliard? Do you use a Jordan Luplo? Is it going to be Eli White, who's a very good defender, that they could use out there? That's some of the outfielders that they have in camp. And then the $37 million question that we ask if every time we talk about the Braves, where does Marcelo Zuna fit into this? Is he going to be taking some of bats from that DH spot? And if not, is he going to be a guy that's just kind of available to be a weapon off the bench that could go deep for you if you need him to, because that has at least got to be one of his calling cards is that he's got some power. Then on the infield, I mean, if you've got Grissom and Arcia, whichever one's not starting at shortstop, The other one figures to be the the backup infielder that could play second, could play short, could play, you know, late in the game, be maybe a defensive guy if you need it for that. And then the catcher, I don't know if he can have better depth than that. So as I look around – it seems like they've got a very well-constructed club. It just depends on what uh, what route they decide to go in the outfield and you know who might surprise you in spring training camp. And if there is perhaps somewhere out there another move that could be made, depending on maybe what doesn't make sense for some other club, that could make sense for the Braves to do maybe a late add in spring training. They've done that a time or two.
1: You mentioned Eddie Rosario, and I think we assume that he's going to start in left field. My question yeah. is – Is it going to be a situation where if he gets off to a not-so-hot start, and I know the eye issues were definitely part of the problem and getting all that fixed, but he didn't hit very well last year overall. If he doesn't get off to a good start, you think Snitker has a quick hook for him with some of that outfield depth? Do you think that they will try some other guys in there if he doesn't perform early on?
2: I mean there could be some mixing and matching but I don't think it's going to be you know necessarily giving up early unless there is a uh, another injury issue and I mean I guess the eye certainly qualifies because he ended up on the injured list for a long period of last year that's something he feels is behind him and you know he feels like Snit does that if Eddie Rosario's able to you know get out there and get those at bats in the spring and maybe benefit from his World Baseball Classic experience which is something that he's going to be taking a part of this year they're going to get that guy back that can be a difference maker for them. So I, I feel like Eddie bouncing back is as big a part of the Braves' plan, especially for the left field, as just about anything else as far as questions for this club. Because when you look around the rest of the spots, I mean, your center field, right field look good, third base, second base, first base all look good, catcher, we've already talked about that. There's depth in the starting rotation. It's a strong bullpen. Really left field shortstop, the only positions that you're asking about. And then, you know, whoever's not playing, maybe at another one, where do they factor into the DH along with, of course, Ozuna, who's in that mix somewhere as well. Eddie Rosario is a, is a key piece, is a key cog in this lineup um, and, and trying to solve what was a position for them last year that just did not put up the numbers they needed to and it is going to have kind of a trickle-down or a domino effect on especially what goes on with DH, but they're throwing a lot of uh, options at it, and I think that's probably the way to approach it because a couple of these guys, including I think Kevin Pillar, I didn't mention him earlier, but you got some veterans that even if they don't make the big league club, maybe they're hanging around in Gwinnett just in case things are you know, needing to be shuffled a little bit as far as that depth goes, as far as the bench goes, and maybe as far as solving any injury problems that crop up because we've seen injury change the plan for every club over the course of 162.
1: And obviously, another guy, Ozzy Albies, I mean, you know, more than, you know, he's got to have a big bounce back season and, you know, counting on him. But you think when he did play, his numbers weren't certainly as good. Not that they were dreadful, but they certainly weren't as good as they were in 2021. Where he had kind of, for lack of a better word, you know, a breakout season, 13th in the MVP, and you know he was, he was just outstanding, 30 and 100. You think he gets back to that kind of level? You you think that he is profiled to be more of a 30 and 100 guy, you know, 20 steals in this kind of lineup? I mean, is that kind of where he falls, or does his numbers from that 2021 season you think level off a little bit, and maybe regress a little bit?
2: No, because I feel like he's done it more than just in 2021. If you go back and look at his rookie year, he was an all-star. I mean, it's his first full year in the big leagues in 2018. Then in 2019, he followed it up with another big year of, you know, 65 to 75 extra base hits. A lot of runs knocked in, stole bases, scored runs, did all the things they need him to do. He did get hurt in the Twins and only played half of that campaign, but yeah, 2021 was just another year where it just seemed like he was putting it all together. It was 40 doubles, 30 homers, 100 runs batted in, 100 runs scored, and you know 20 stolen bases. I mean, those are things Ozzy's capable of, and I think those are things that, as he looks at it and, and kind of sets his own expectations for the season, those are the kind of things that he would like to be doing. You know, last year, that foot was obviously a, a, a freaky kind of fluke injury that happened, but I think he felt like there was something going on with that leading up to it that maybe had been hampering him a little bit that might have affected those numbers even before he ended up getting hurt, missing almost half the season or exactly half the season with that. Then he comes back and breaks his pinky, and that's just, again, you talk about fluky freak injuries. I mean, I don't know that you can have one that was more disappointing and ill-timed than that one was. So health is the number one thing, and I talked to Brian Snitka about this yesterday you know how big is it to get a bounce back season from Ozzie Albies a healthy Ozzie Albies because it doesn't seem like people are as much talking about it as far as a difference maker for this club because it was something that they had to overcome last year not having him for so long so now even if you look at some of the other moves that the other clubs in the division made and who they might have added that wasn't there a year ago for all intents Ozzie Albies wasn't really there a year ago. So the Braves adding Ozzie Albies to a team one games, I think that's kind of one of the under-the-radar kind of things that you know maybe everybody's not fully looking at. I mean, the expectations there, think about how much success they had without him last year for a long period or, or a big chunk of the year and how much he could bring to this year's squad.
1: Yeah, boy, it really lengthens that lineup, and and it certainly makes Dan yep. Olson better hitters. I mean, to have... Have a guy that's just right there in the five, you know, whole whatever, 100. Uh, Grant McCulley is on Twitter, at Grant McCulley. He is our Braves insider. Grant, I know you've got from the Diamond back. Tell us about what's going on Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's going to be coming back on Sunday. You can join us after the Hawks game. I'm excited to share all the things that I was able to learn in spring training. And, of course, by that time, we have great Fruit League action coming. I've got my interview with Brian Snitker. That's going to be a part of the show. I also got to catch up with A.J. Minter, with Max Fried, with E. Kyle Wright. I've got a lot of interviews for the show. We'll talk about all the things that the Braves are doing in camp and all the questions that they're looking to answer, some of which we talked about right here on the John Chuckery Show. So I appreciate you having me on, and you can check out all my spring training coverage, links and everything I've heard from the Com, and you can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley as well.
1: Wait, are you going to do a segment called Things I Learned? I mean, is that what you're going to do? Is that, is that, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that gimmick you know, infringement?
2: I don't I don't know whose gimmick that is. That It sounds like a familiar, I'm not <laughs> sure if I know exactly whose gimmick I was pushing upon there.
1: Well, at least, as long as it isn't mine. So uh, we're all good there. So There you go.
2: There will be no once bugging Grant on oh, that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. So Grant you as always it. my buddy. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. We'll chat again here soon.
2: <laughs> you got it. Take care, guys.
1: <laughs> See you. All right. Well, a little bit more fun here before we get to the uh, top of the hour and hand it off to the JR Sports Brief Chuckery here in the Kia Studios Sports Radio to The Game Odyssey.com app
0: Back to more John Chuckery He's in the zone
1: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at a Berry show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios. We're going to go to the top of the hour, and we'll give you to the JR Sports Brief after us. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, you catch us on the go. Social media at 92.9 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At jmsh316, at underscore Dylan Matthews. You, uh, are you... College basketball follower at all, Dylan?
0: Uh, nah, not really. I, yeah. I'll follow during the tournament, but that's it.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, look, when we're looking at the only team that's going to get possibly into the tournament, it's Kennesaw State. Yep. And, you know, there's a hell of a battle going on right now between them and Liberty in that A Sun conference. You know, Kennesaw State had a big come-from-behind win, uh, last week, I mean, I think it was literally a week ago that they beat Liberty at uh, on, on at Kennesaw State's what is it the what, what is that place called the, the Convocation Center or something like that uh, wherever Kennesaw State's uh, uh, home court is. But um, if you don't know, Kennesaw State is currently 22 and 8 on the season. Liberty is 23 and 7 on the season, and they're both 14 and 3. In conference,
0: you're right, It is the KSU convocation Center
1: yeah and uh, and that's an I mean whew, that's a nice building over there. I mean those facilities are outstanding i mean for for a school like Kennesaw State, I mean everything about Kennesaw State is fantastic, but both those teams are 14 and three in conference. Um, Kennesaw State's got the better winning percentage overall. But Kennesaw State's 12-1 and one at home. Liberty is 15-1 and one at home. Now, I don't know enough about those two teams to say, is that just, is that, I'm guessing that's going to be a one-and-done league. Like, whoever's the conference champion, because the conference tournament is going to be held um, from February 27th to March 5th. And then um, the the obviously they play those games at home depending on ranking and all that stuff. But is that is that just a one bid league? I guess is the a sun because I mean I, I don't know enough about the everybody else in college basketball. But the SEC is loaded this year. The Big Twelve was loaded this year. Big Ten's really good. Hell, the, the the one conference that's not good at all is the ACC. ACC is not a very good basketball conference this year. But the the Big 12 and um, Big 12 and is loaded. Big 10 loaded. I mean, there's, there's really good programs in there. I don't know about the Pac-12. I haven't really kept up with the Pac-12. But I wonder if the A-Sun is just going to be a one big league. Because you're talking about having two teams that, you know, look, I, I know what the competition level is and things like that. But you know, those two teams are going to have 25, 26 wins when all is said and done. And if it comes down to those two teams in the championship, I don't know what strength the schedule is or anything like that, but, man, I'm sure hoping that Kennesaw State can find its way in the tournament. I mean, Georgia's not been bad. Coming off of the Tom Crean era, Georgia's at least been competitive. I think they're 6-9 and in conference or something like that. But the SEC is loaded this year. I mean, obviously, Alabama, notwithstanding all of the controversy with Nate Oates and Miller and all those guys, I mean, notwithstanding all the stuff that's going on there, look, they can win a national title. They're they're a national title contender, Alabama basketball. Tennessee's a fantastic program. There's a lot of good teams in the SEC and a lot of good teams in the Big 12. Big 12's loaded this year. But I really hope Kennesaw State can find its way in. But... If that's, you know, if that's obviously only a one bid league then they got to win the tournament. I mean, that's that's what it all comes down to is is winning their conference tournament, getting the automatic bid for everything, but I I don't know enough about some of the other teams or I you know, with not within the conference, but other teams that are in America in some of these smaller conferences because when you look right now other than Marquette and, and Gonzaga's, at this point, Gonzaga's not a mid-major conference. Like, they are a powerhouse basketball program, okay? Like, they're at the level of all of the – they're not a Blue Blood program, but they play at the same level as Blue Bloods, okay? But other than – and I guess maybe Houston. I guess Houston, the other team, because they're the number one team in America right now. Houston – but, hell, again – Houston's been to how many Final Fours in their history? Hell, they were, they were in three Final Fours with Olajuwon, were they not? In the 80s. I mean, so I, I don't know that they're a mid-major team. Maybe they've been more of a mid-major, but hell, they're always a tournament team. So I don't, you know, there's no, there's not really, you know, a bunch of long shots that are just kind of maybe St. Mary's, you know, who's 24-5, and five. they're ranked 15th. In the country, but you look at the list: Bama, Kansas, UCLA, Purdue, Virginia, Arizona, Texas, Baylor, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Miami, K-State. Xavier is one of those programs that, again, they're a mid-major as far as their classification, but they play basketball at a level with all of the big boys. Now, there's some of those programs, Creighton, Xavier, right, that play basketball at a higher level than anything. You know, they may they may be considered a mid-major because of the conference that they're in, but they certainly don't play basketball at a mid-conference level. They're just not, they're not like Cinderella stories out of nowhere, right? And and I would put Marquette in that category, Houston in that category, Gonzaga in that category, uh, Xavier, Creighton, you know, those are all big time teams. And Creighton, I think, now is in the Big East, right? They they're in the reformed Big East and stuff like that. But um, but it, it's kind of funny to look at Houston and Alabama be the top two teams in the country and, and that be the basketball, you know, rankings, right? Like I'm used to looking at the football rankings and saying, oh, Alabama's number two. Yeah, Alabama's number, number one and number two in the country. And that was a big win for them last night, beating South Carolina. You know, that was, that was a big win and Miller went off. I mean they did you see where they were chanting Lock him up, lock him up and all that good stuff. They were they, they were chanted chanting. that? Oh yeah, they were chanting they were chanting, I didn't know they chanted Carolina. that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Brandon Miller. They were chanting Lock him up, lock him up. And then he That's ended brutal. up going out and having his career night. Forty one. Forty one, yeah. He dropped forty one. And then he
0: had the game winning shot in overtime the, too. Yep. Had
1: the game winning basket, dropped forty one was a career high. But they were chanting lock him up, lock him up and and all that, so he said, "I'll
0: show you lock him up." Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he locked it up, all right. I mean, they he had an outstanding night, but um, and that's a whole separate issue and story. Like we talked about Nate Oates last night on the show. Just he's a Nimrod. I mean, let's face it. He's he's a Nimrod. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, wrong place, wrong time. Come on, you know. Let let's be realistic here on, on all this kind of stuff. But um, but what what they're doing in Alabama is 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 staggering. But you know. Greg Sankey made a point to talk about SEC basketball several years ago where he commented on, we got to get better in basketball. They were, I think, I think at the time, they had like three teams in the tournament. I think it was Kentucky, Kentucky, Tennessee maybe, and Florida. Like Florida and Kentucky were two of the teams. And he's like, we got to be a better basketball league. Well, now Auburn's in the mix. Alabama's in the mix, Tennessee's in the mix, right? You know, there's really good basketball being played. And it's just a shame that in this state that we're not better at the college basketball level, that we can't get Tech, Georgia, Kennesaw State, you know, whatever, Georgia State to all be really good basketball programs because the amount of kids that are here in this state, it's staggering how good the kids are at basketball. All right, going to wrap things up with the Love TKO. Coming up next, Chuckery Nakia Studios, Sports Radio, not the game, the Odyssey.com app.
0: From so far across the floor now, baby. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time, having a good time.
1: Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Wrapping things up as we always do with the Love TKO. Getting ready for the JR Sports Brief coming up here at the top of the hour. We'll set the stage for what's going on tomorrow night for you. But first, before we get out of here, I'm going to let you listen to what is the greatest opening in all of music history. Looking back all oh my, my years, I guess I shed some tears. So we will be on tomorrow night after Hawks basketball. So it'll be a short show, but we will take you till midnight and we'll take your reaction. I mean, we'll see what, I mean, look, things set themselves up for a win, right? New coach at home, Cleveland on a back-to-back, coming on the road where they don't play as well. And if we believe what the players have been saying all week, accountability. You know, the players are like, well, we got to be better in all this. Okay, it starts on Friday. DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, right? Starts on Friday. Everybody, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say John because he's going to be out. He's in the concussion protocol, so he's not going to play. But he's got accountability. right? So, so you know, and Trey Young will be back. I saw the tweet from Trey. He's going to be back and everything like that. He was dealing with a, a family emergency and stuff. He'll be back tomorrow night, so everything's back on track. But Hawks get back at it after a, a, a long – felt like a long layoff uh, when they got back. But, you know, it's, it's going to be different. You know, definitely a kind of hopefully reinvigorated Hawks. And, again, everything sets up for them to get a win in this situation. Now can they go out and do it? I know how good Cleveland is, but a back-to-back on the road we don't play as well – Motivated Hawks club, hopefully, and obviously probably the boost of changing coaches, right? Anytime you have a coaching change like that, you probably get a boost. So we'll see what happens with all of it. Then they'll be back in action on Sunday. They'll have Brooklyn coming here, who still looks like they're going to be a pretty good team coming in this last stretch of games, whatever, even without Kyrie and Durant and all that with the guys that they got back. So Again, not going to be easy coming up here for the Atlanta Hawks and have to take advantage at home. Have to take advantage at home uh for the schedule. I think it's 14 of the 23 games that are at home for the Atlanta Hawks. So, got to take advantage cuz they haven't done a they haven't done a single thing to take advantage of any part of their schedule this year. All right, we got to get out of here for Dylon, it's Chuckry. We'll see you AMF. I try to hold
0: on My faith is gone It's just another sad song But I think I better let it go Let it go